Welcome, everybody, to the return of the Big East Coast Podcast. I'm sure you're probably wondering where the hell we've been. Um, I'm Chris, joined by Rob, your leaders at Big East Coast Bias, SB Nation's number one source for all Big East basketball news and commentary, etc., etc. Um, the truth of the matter is we have just not been able to find time to podcast uh, due to other commitments and whatnot, but today we uh, were lucky to be able to find time to talk about Big East basketball. Yeah, and you know, uh, really good timing leading up to Feast Week here. Um, this will be out the day before Feast Week technically starts, so it's Wednesday when you're listening to this. Um, you know, we, uh, we, we are going to get into Feast Week a little bit later with our good friend Russ Steinberg, but for now, I think we uh, could take a look at how the Big East has kind of fared as a whole so far. You know, uh, took another 5-3 loss in Gavit games, but it wasn't quite the same as last year. It was not quite the same as last year, no. Um, obviously, you know, things could have been a little different. We could have, They could have forced another tie had luck, pan, luck played out right in particular in the Seton Hall-Michigan State game, which I'm sure we'll discuss a little bit when we talk about the Pirates and um, Miles Powell and how well he's doing this season. Leading things off uh, is one of the nation's win leaders, that being DePaul. DePaul right now... Going into the night is one of one, two, three, four, five teams uh, who are five and zero at the moment. They, along with the Auburn Tigers, Utah State Aggies, uh, South Dakota, South Dakota Coyotes. There we go. And the Delaware Blue Hens are all five and zero. Blue Demons have performed pretty well. Obviously, this is their first five and zero start. In, you were telling me since the 80s, Since the right? uh, mid-80s, yes. Mid-80s, so it's been a really long time. Um, but the victims for the Blue Demons so far have been the Alcorn State Braves, Chicago, the Fairleigh Dickinson Knights, most notably the Iowa Hawkeyes, who they dismantled out in Iowa City, 93-78 as part of the Gavit Games, which started off uh, for, well for the Big East, of course. May not have ended, ended so well, but did not start off sadly. And they recently took down the Cornell Big Red up out in Chicago. Sorry, I thought that game might have been in Ithaca, but it was not. Nope. Um, they took them down 75-54 to 54 on Saturday. DePaul, 5-0. What a world. Yeah, I mean, and you know, they probably should be. Um, you know, that Iowa game was kind of tough, but Iowa might not be that good this year. Um, but, you know, credit to DePaul so far. Um, we talked about a lot in the offseason, and... You know, it's been guys like Paul Reed and Charlie Moore, who uh, we kind of thought would be good. Romeo Weems come in, been good. You know, Jalen Coleman-Lange being back has really helped them out. And, you know, they've been a serviceable team. They've been kind of a deep team. And they haven't really even gelled that much yet, I don't think, offensively, which is kind of scary. It is. And I want to—I definitely want to spend some time talking about Paul Reed. Uh, right now, he's shooting 69.6% from the field. Two-pointers, 71.1%. Three-pointers, 62.5%, shooting 72.7% from the free-throw line, averaging 15.4 points per game and 10.6 rebounds per game, 2.4 blocks per game, as well as two assists and two steals per game. The man is doing it all, and he is, I think he's really been the biggest catalyst for me for this run that DePaul has gone on to start the year because he's been playing amazingly. He's already, he's already racked up three Kempom game MVP awards in their first five games. Yeah, and I mean, he's really just picking up where he left off last year um, to the point where he looks like a really serviceable player at this point, one of the better big men in the entire conference. Um, and yeah, it's really been exciting to watch. Uh, 
you know, four double-doubles in five games this year. Um, just kind of a force to be reckoned with uh, for DePaul. Yeah, and the one quote-unquote dud that he really had was against Chicago where he only scored five points and had seven rebounds. But, I mean, hey, he only played 19 minutes in that game. And especially in a game like that, they didn't really need to use him too much. So I would imagine that that was one of the reasons why his minutes were cut down in that game. Yeah. So keep him fresh. But in every game that he's played in, he's nearly gotten at least 30 minutes. He only played 29 against the Braves in the in the season opener. Um, but obviously, you know, that game, he didn't miss a single shot from the field. He was 6-for-6 six six from the from the floor, 4-for-4 four four from the free throw line, had 17 points and 11 rebounds, a great way to start the season. And like I said, he's been one of the most efficient shooters, not just in the Big East, but in the entire country as well. His EFG and TS percentages, effective field goal and true shooting, um, rank him within top 40 in terms of effective field goal percentage. He sits 33rd going into the night, 26th in the nation in true shooting, Obviously, that's, you know, he's taking a lot of twos. He's making a lot of twos. He's only taken seven, seven three-pointers so far, but he's, like I said, he's made a decent decent chunk of them. So, yeah, he's he's doing really, really, really well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of the main point here. Um, and, you know, we talked about Charlie Moore a little bit. He's been really great kind of in his role as a transfer. Um, you know, making Effect, a lot of threes. Effective three-pointers. Three yeah. Point shooter, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, really that's what they've been looking for. And, you know, he... Um, Never really got a chance at Kansas because, you know, he's kind of buried in the rotation. But, yeah. you know, um, it's been really cool to watch. Yeah, and, you know, if you want to if you want to give any any shout-outs to anyone who aren't, you know, Paul Reed or Charlie Moore, Jalen Butts has played his butt off. I, yeah. I was going to say ass, but, you know, I mean, yeah. but, um, but yeah, he's, he's done really well um, in, you know, the serviceable role. He played 37 minutes against Fairleigh Dickinson, but otherwise he's played, you know, 28 or less, and in that time in that time period, you know he's he's aver- he's averaging a decent amount of points right now. Um, so far, he's averaged 10.4 points per game and 5.4 assist rebounds per game. I'm sorry, um, but yeah, he's and he's doing. He hasn't taken many threes, obviously, because he's not that kind of player. But he's done really well inside. Um, his free throw percentage could probably improve from 46.2 percent, but there's still plenty of time. He's got, he's got good numbers. This is his third season, of course, with DePaul, and he's so far fleshed out to be a pretty solid player. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, I mean, I think he's the type of guy that they need on that team. And, you know, I think Romeo Weems has been as good as advertised yes. as well so yes. far. Um, yes. And he's probably only going to get better, you know, especially offensively. You know, he had 13 against Elkhorn State and then 11 against Chicago, and he's kind of leveled off a little bit offensively because they haven't really needed him to be the guy. But, you know, they have options this year. And it really, uh, I think it's a tough test for DePaul coming up. You know, uh, Boston College, Central Michigan, Minnesota, Texas Tech, and Buffalo. You know, you probably hope to go about 3-2 and two in that stretch. And then if you can do anything better, you know, you'll take it and you'll be happy with it. But, yeah, ex- exactly. Because, like you said, after, after that stretch they play uh, UIC, and then Cleveland State and Northwestern to round out the non-conference play before they start off. Uh, they start off conference play at home against a really, really good Seton Hall team. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they have to go to Chestnut Hill to play Boston College this coming weekend. They host Central Michigan. They have to go to Minnesota to play the Gophers. They host Texas Tech, which should be a really fun game. Yeah, it definitely has the potential to be. Yeah. But I, I don't know if that's going to be something right for the picking in terms of off, in terms of an upset or what or what have you. But they if they're able to pick Texas Tech off, 
that would be something. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's kind of crazy, but you would think if DePaul is 8-0 after, you know, beating Boston College, Central Michigan, Minnesota, they should probably be ranked going into the Texas Tech game. I frankly am surprised that they're not. I know that their, their strength of schedule isn't quite there yet, but I'm surprised that they're not ranked, or at least... You know, how, how far down are they in terms of receiving votes? Yeah, I mean, they didn't get any votes, which is a little crazy. That's a little crazy to not give any votes to any of the, to, to a team that's, you know, undefeated through the first five games of the season. I mean, I see that, you know, um, Auburn obviously is in the top 25. Kentucky's probably there. Well, and I mean, of course they are. You know, they beat Michigan State, but they lost to Evansville. They did. So Kentucky dropped down all the way to nine, in fairness. Yeah, but you know it. But you know, K- Kentucky's Kentucky. You know, there there's definitely always poll bias at play. Sure, there's always poll bias at play. I mean, that that goes for college basketball. That goes for college football. Oh, the the helmet schools, and then you know the the, the blue bloods in college basketball. They're always going to get. I mean, geez, Evansville got forty three votes. That's true. And I know Evansville obviously deserves deserves that, but I mean, hey, they they beat they beat Kentucky, but you know they also had wins over Ball State, Indiana, Kokomo, and they lost to SMU yeah. on, this past Monday. So I don't know if they're going to receive I don't know if they're going to be receiving that many votes after losing to an SMU squad that you know they're, they're pretty solid, but they're not going to probably be great this year. I know they're off to a four zero start down there in Dallas, but eh, certainly not my pick in the American. No. But, again, all credit given where credit is due. DePaul deserves every bit of credit for this for this start. I don't know how much longer it's going to last, but I think I can. I think maybe I speak for everybody, but I think what most people wanted was just to see a very competent DePaul team. Yeah. This is a very competent DePaul team. I'd even go so far as to say this is a good DePaul team. Yeah. That's the first time I can say that in a pretty long time. Yeah, no, I don't know I if this team's going to be aggressively average by the time conference play shakes out, but if the first five games are any indication, um, Paul Reed is going to be a force to be reckoned with and it's going to be hard to stop, and they're going to be a tough out a, a lot of nights. And you can say that pretty much about anybody in the Big East, but I think DePaul has gradually made that step. I don't think this is a tournament team. Maybe it's an NIT team. Yeah. Maybe it's an NIT team. You no, never that's, know. That's fair. I agree with that. You never you never know. Yeah. So DePaul is not the only unbeaten squad in the Big East right now. Um, they are one of three teams who have gone, you know, the first leg of the season without suffering a loss. And I feel that it's fair to focus on Butler here, who was another team that picked up a Gavit Games win over Minnesota at home. They defeated them sixty-four to fifty-six last Tuesday. Uh, they have also picked up wins over IUPUI, New Orleans, and most recently Wofford in a game where there were a lot of fouls. Yeah, and you know, I mean, Butler's another team that probably could have been ranked this week. They did receive some votes. They so, did receive um, some votes, 10 to be precise. You know, I don't want to say that this was like a make-or-break year for Laval Jordan because, you know, obviously they just missed the tournament last year. That's yeah. it. But it's, it's a good start for a year that... Uh, you know, these were all very important games to win because after Moorhead State on Friday, which they'll also probably win to be 5-0, and um, you know, they go Missouri and then either... Um, I, who are the other teams in Kansas City? Um, that's a it's, great um, question. I think it's... 
I want to say it's Northwestern and. Let's see the Hall of Fame Classic. Um, it's it's Butler. Oh, I got it. It's Oklahoma Butler, and Stanford. Oklahoma and Stanford. So, you know, those are another two. So basically, the point is here: after the Moorhead State game, Butler has one, two, three, four, five straight games against top one hundred opponents on Ken Palm. And Oklahoma's been pretty good. Yeah. And then they play Southern, and then they play Purdue. So that's another top 100 opponent. So, I mean, yeah. you know, they they needed to win all these games. Um, they did. You know, get those wins Absolutely. in the bank going into that stretch. And, you know, I think they've been real good so far. Um, and this isn't even kind of in their complete form because they've had injuries. I know, uh, you know, Derek Smith hasn't played this year. Kamara Baldwin's um, been a little banged he's up. He's been banged up. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think so far it's been really impressive. Uh how Butler's been able to kind of get off to a good start. And, you know, you look at their Ken Palm page, they're pretty good at everything. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. I know their competition hasn't really been stiff. I know that, you know, their three-point rate is kind of hovering around the nation's average right now, at least against, you know, a lot what they're allowing. But their three-point defense right now is ranked 16th in the nation, 23.2%. That's gonna probably even itself out at some point. It's not gonna be there all. I don't. I don't think it's gonna be there all season. However, however, under Laval Jordan, their three-point defense the past two seasons has been bad, and that's not really debatable. No, and I at, mean, if you look at the numbers. They gave up thirty-seven point three percent from three in his first season. They gave up thirty-five point seven percent in his second season. So it's it's. It was a downgrade, but those were in the red. Right well, now, they are in the dark green. Yeah, and here's the thing. You know, the national average is down because they moved the three-point line back, but the national average is down 2%. Butler's average is down, you know, 12%. Exactly. So it'll probably, you know, even out a little bit, but so far, I mean, they've been really an impressive three-point defending team. You, and they've been impressive in pretty much anything. The, the only thing that I see that he's, he's even like in a hint of red right now is just their steal percentage. So they're not forcing a lot of turnovers, but... They're not committing Similar, any either. Well, similarly speaking, however, while their steal percentage is slightly in the red, their turnover percentage is still within the top 80. They're 79th. Yeah. So they may not be, you know, forcing steals or what have you at a high rate, but they're still, you know, finding ways to get turnovers and, you know, get the ball in their hands. And obviously obviously on offense, they've been, they've been doing pretty well. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they're not, like I said, turning the ball over themselves, which is kind of a hallmark of Butler. Um you know, the rebounding has been there this year after not really being there last year as much. Um, you know, you got guys like Bryce Golden who have been pretty good rebounding. Um, Bryce Enzi's been pretty good all around as well. Um, yeah, so I, he, I think it helps. I think it helps their cause that right now they have four guys who are averaging double figures. Kamar Baldwin, Sean McDermott, Bryce Enzi, and Jordan Tucker. Yeah. All of them are averaging double figures right now. Baldwin at 14.3. He's only played, obviously, 90 minutes in four games. Um, but in four games, I should say, not and. Um, but McDermott's been doing really well. Bryce Enzi's been a really nice pickup for them. He's done really, really well in a lot of areas, especially shooting the ball. His field goal percentage right now is 64.7% per sports reference. You'll take those marks when you can get them. And obviously, Jordan Tucker's been really solid in limited minutes so far. Yeah, and you know, you kind of look at their next couple weeks. Uh, Missouri's beatable, even though it's in Kansas City. Yep. Um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma or Stanford. I Oklahoma mean, I, did almost lose to William & Mary last night. This is true. So I think that their preferred opponent would be a Stanford team that's also undefeated, but they're not really beating anybody who's a world beater out there in Palo Alto. Um, yeah, Ole Miss is probably the worst team in the SEC this year. 
Um, I don't I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, this is undefeated right now. Yeah, but it's down compared to last year. Sure, but um, I don't I don't know if they're they're not necess- I don't think they're necessarily the worst team in the SEC. I think the worst team in the SEC right now is probably Vanderbilt or Texas A&M. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, Florida hasn't really reached their potential yet, and it's at Hinkle. Nope. You it's know, just, if they, if they, that game is going to be really fun just because of the guard play. Yeah. But if they can catch Florida napping while they're still playing a little inconsistently, I think that that could be an opportunity for a, a good I, I don't know if it's going to necessarily be looked at as a good win, yeah. but it'll be a good win for Butler to, you know, maintain the yeah. status that they have right I now. I mean, you know, going to Waco is going to be tough. Yes. But- and then you got a Purdue team in Indianapolis that hasn't looked as good this year. I mean, they lost to Texas Marquette. Butler is probably somewhere in the I don't th- same I, level I know, as those two teams. I know why they're there, but I don't think that they look like the tenth team, tenth best team yeah. in as Kempon has. No, exactly. And by the time that they get there, by the time that they get there, um, they're playing teams like VCU in down in Niceville. They play UVA in the Big Ten ECC Challenge. Yeah. They have that game at home, but it's a proverbial coin flip. I would expect the Cavaliers to win that game. They'll also be playing a pretty solid Ohio team out of the MAC. Nebraska's pretty bad, but... Yeah, you know, so, I mean, Purdue... They're already going to be... They're going to be two conference games deep by then, by that Butler, exactly. again, by that Butler game. I, like you said, they, can, they could pick them off that game because they've beaten Green Bay and they've beaten Chicago State, who's the worst team right now in... Um, Division 1A, at least according to Kempom, and they've lost to the only two good teams that they've played. Granted, the Marquette game, they fell apart. Texas, they only lost by four, but wins are wins and losses are losses. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I mean, I think I think Butler's start is legit, and I think uh, it's going to be really interesting kind of to revisit this next month when pretty much all those games, except for Purdue, are behind us. We kind of see where they're at now. Um, also, Special shout-out to Tripp, because he's retiring. Yes, yes. Um, you know, good for him. Indeed. Hopefully he gets to ride out in the sunset. So, let's go to the other biggest team that's undefeated, um, one that Butler fans probably don't take too kindly to, that being the Xavier Musketeers. Yeah. Um, they've been interesting. They've been very um, interesting. <laughs> you know, stop shooting threes. I, I mean, I, I don't... Their three-point rate isn't even that bad. Yeah, but they don't make any of them. That's but, that's really the problem. And they, against, uh, I know against Missouri State, they shot a lot. They were 5 for 23. And then against Missouri, they were probably even worse up until um, Najee Marshall made the one to tie it. They were 3 for 21. 30, 30, 30, so, I mean, don't, you, I don't, I don't agree, I don't agree with this. They're not a team of shooters, though. That's the other thing. You know, you go back to last year. They were... No, because the best bad. shooter last year was Ryan Lodge, and he's gone. I mean, sure, but like, I don't see. I don't agree with this philosophy that you should stop shooting threes if you're bad at it. Because three is greater than two. You take the opportunity if it's there to take a shot that's going to give you more points. Yeah, but you have a dynamic, you know, point guard who can drive in and get your points. You have but, a dominant offensive big man in Tyreek Jones, and you have, you know, Marshall and Scruggs who are also very good from pretty much anywhere on the floor. But Rob, it's 2019. You're not playing with your back. You're not playing ball with the back to the basket. The pick and roll can be effective. I understand that, but you, if Xavier's shooting woes from three point land are obviously real. They're only shooting twenty point nine percent. But the good news for them, I think, is they're too talented to shoot that poorly. I mean, last year they were bad, but they shot thirty three percent. 
that would be above the nation's average right now. They're just in a rut through the first four games of the season. No, and I mean, yeah, it could definitely work itself out for sure. What they have to do is they have to shoot their way out of that rut. They shouldn't stop. And again, their three-point rate in terms of, you know, how many shots they're taking compared to how many field goal attempts they have is just 36.3%. That's 198th in the country. That's below the Division One average. Yeah, but here's here's the thing about someone like Najee Marshall. He only shot 27% last year, so it's not like he's a good shooter that should be, you know, shooting at will from out there. I mean, he's taking 20. That's the thing. Again, do you really think that he's a a 14.3% shooter from three point? No, there? but I do just I just think Quentin he's more. Gooding and Paul Scruggs are sub 30% shooters. I don't. They're going to shoot their way out of this. I. I don't, I don't want to go so far as to say I guarantee it, but I'm willing to say that they, th- that three-point rate will correct itself. They're going to shoot better from three. It's almost impossible to shoot that bad. Yeah, but they are 4-0. They are 4-0. Um, They've lived on the edge they, the last two games. They played an ugly game against Mizzou. They, pl- they played an ugly game against Missouri State. But, again, things have a chance to even themselves out. They've played all four games at home. Maybe, maybe their trip. Charleston, Charleston will help them out. Yeah, Give I mean, them a new, a new, they, new sense of how things operate. They play, you know, a Towson team that is beatable, and then either UConn or Buffalo, both of whom are pretty also solid. beatable, but but I solid. think Xavier's talented enough to beat them. Yeah, I mean, defensively they've been really good. I don't want to take that away from them. Rem- I remember when I, <laughs> I remember, didn't I say last year? You know, they were struggling on defense, and I was like, you know what? This profile, this team is. Always been good defense. They're always they're going to improve. They're definitely improving right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean you know Tyreek Jones is very good. Zach Fremantle's been a very good find as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously you know how good Quentin Gooden is. Yes. You know guys like Marshall and Scruggs. I, they're fine. You know, they're, they're four. It's it's fine to have problems when you're four and zero. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it is. They're correctable mistakes. You know. I don't think they're going to shoot, you know, below the national average in three-point percentage and effective field goal percentage all year. Nope. I think they're probably more of an average three-point shooting team, and yeah, you know, a team that could still stand to work it inside a little more. Yeah. But which is you know. fine. But if you, as long as you have that threat to, to be from outside, you're good, even if it is just average. Especially if everyone is going to collapse on you inside. What's 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 open then? The outside. You take the shot because it gives you more points. Yeah, and I mean. <laughs> I think something kind of interesting is that they're pushing the tempo a lot more this year oh, they compared are. to they last are. year. They, they definitely I don't know are. if that's just, you know, new personnel or more of just, you know, getting more comfortable in your second year as head coach for Travis Steele. But, you know, that's been notable. Um, yeah, because, I mean, right now, last year they were at 65.2 for their adjusted tempo. And right now it's all the way up to 71. Yeah. Which is slightly above they're the nation's average of 70. Taking two fewer seconds per possession. Yes, So exactly. So, yeah. Which I, like mean, I think I think that that's definitely new person. I think it's a little of both. I think that's new personnel, and that's Travis Steele getting a little bit more comfortable here as yeah. head coach. I think it's totally fair to say that at this point. Sure. Um, okay, so now we go to the land of one-loss teams, which is pretty much every other Big East team in the, in the, entire, in the entire conference. Yeah, and really none of the losses <laughs> are bad. I mean, depending on what you think of Northwestern. Well, um, also, depending on what's what's our definition of bad, because Villanova getting blown well, out by Ohio State in Columbus. Yeah, I, mean, I know Ohio State's good, but that was eh. well. It's just kind of become a thing for Villanova now, though. You know, they had the Michigan game, they had the Oklahoma game. Uh, oh, I forgot the year they Michigan won the first game. title. Um, <laughs> I totally so, I mean, forgot about that Michigan game last year. Yeah, I mean they don't lose <laughs> non-conference games too often. 
um, with the exception of last year. But when they do, you know, they kind of make them count. I um, guess the, the good news for them is, you know, I know that they have to go down to Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Um, but that's a, I think that's a winnable tournament for these guys. Yeah. And, and you know, the, other than that, I don't think they're going to lose any of these big five games. No. And, you know. And then, you know, they obviously have Kansas, which will be intriguing. The good game again. Home. But yeah. No. And, you know, what the thing is, is that um, it's a team of no seniors. So, I mean, that's super rare for a Jay Wright team. Um, you know, because even someone like Phil Booth, Eric Paschal, was around for both titles. I mean, they obviously kind of have been there. They experienced all that. Now you don't really have too many people that have been around for that. Um, this is true. But the good news for Nova, they did receive some great news, in fact. Yeah. That's that Brian Antoine is cleared to play in-game competition. So he will be joining them down in Myrtle Beach. That's obviously a really, really big addition for them because he's obviously a very highly touted freshman, five-star recruit. Donald's All-American. Yeah, and I mean, he's probably going to get eased in a little bit. Yeah, because um, we, we know by now how Jay Wright uses his freshman, but he obviously pretty much has to use the inexperience now, But because, like you said, there's no seniors on this team. Yeah, and if you want to talk about another freshman... Jeremiah uh, Robinson Earl, yeah, he, who's really good. He has been <laughs> incredible so far. Yes. Um, had the first double-double by Villanova freshman under Jay Wright in his first game. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. And then he got another one um, in their win over Ohio the other day. You know what I like most about him? 91.7% from the free throw line. Yeah. That's n- it's, I don't want to say it's not easy because, you know, te- theoretically it should be easy, but it's not easy to shoot that, that well. I don't know if he's going to shoot mm-hmm. 90% from the free throw line all season, but if he does, kudos to him. Yeah. That is, that's what most stood out to me as I'm looking at his Kempop line. I'm like, Wow. He's 77th in the country in free throw shooting percentage right now. He's only missed one free throw attempt. And he's getting to the line beast amount. He already has 12 attempts. Yeah. Which is second most on the team behind Jermaine Samuels, who has 13. Samuels himself has been playing pretty well, too. I'm noticing that he's shooting 44.4% from three. Justin Moore, a freshman in his own right, is shooting 53.8% on 13 attempts. And Cole Swider is proving to be that outside threat that they hoped that he would be. Because he's shooting at even 50% from three. Yeah, and you know, um, the offense hasn't really looked as good so far. Um, it's kind of been a problem since Jalen Brunson left, is that they don't have kind of that pure point guard to run it. But, you know, I think Colin Gillespie will be fine in the long run. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a team that's going to look a lot different in, you know, February or March than they do right now. And I don't I know mean, if they're... You, you say that, but his, his assist rate's pretty hot. Yeah. His assist rate is... 27.5%. Nationally, that ranks 189th. So well, it's, it's and pretty It's hot. probably not a fair comparison because Jalen Brunson He's is probably old. one of the best players in Villanova history yes. and Big East history. Yes, um, I would agree. I but, get what you're trying to say, but I, yeah. I think this Gillespie has been has gotten off to a pretty decent start. He might not be the might not be a good sh- a great shooter by any means, but he's finding ways to get it done. And like I said, with with more playing so well at guard. You know, that kind of takes the pressure off of him to be, you know, a scorer. Because he doesn't have to worry about that. He can just give the ball to Moore, and Moore can be, you know, a threat from outside. And, you know, as long as they surround him with shooters like Moore, like Swider, that's that's all you can really ask for. And Sadiq Bay, too, who's also shooting 50% from three-point line. Yeah, he's also been very good. Yeah, Sadiq Um, Bay has also been quite good as a sophomore. 
So yeah, no, they're they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. I mean, they're going to be fine. I think Brian Antoine's going to add a nice little dimension to this team. Um, we'll see how he plays in Myrtle. Obviously, there's a lot of hype, but I think that he is. I don't know if he's. A, I wouldn't say he's the missing piece, but he's definitely a piece for this team going forward. Yeah. Now I know two teams. They don't really need to worry about a quote unquote missing piece because just like last year, Marcus Howard and Miles Powell are powering Marquette and Seton Hall, and right now they both lead the conference in scoring. Shock, shocking news that is. Yeah, and I mean, I think Powell's been a little bit better at this point, uh, yeah. even though he missed you know, most of the Stony Brook game, but you know, came back with a vengeance against Michigan State and then flew um, where you know Howard wasn't very good in the second half against Wisconsin, um, which kind of led to Marquette losing that game. But yeah, I don't know which one you want to uh, get into first here, but... Uh, <laughs> It's it's been kind of like it has been. Yeah, uh, I mean, both of them right now are in the top ten for the Kempom.com Player of the Year standings. Howard is currently fifth. Miles Powell is currently seventh. They're not separated by too much. Um, leading the way there, by the way, is Cole Anthony, who is ridiculous. Yes, Cole Anthony, who we uh, will talk about with Russ. We will. So we will. For the record, the top ten is Cole Anthony, Jordan Nwora. Of Louisville, I hope I pronounced that right. I think it's right. Um, Mamadi Diakite of Virginia, Cassius Winston, who Seton Hall fans now really, really know. <laughs> um, Howard Mason Jones of Arkansas, who's playing his ass off. Uh, Miles Powell, Kerry Blackshear down in Florida, Jay Huff of UVA, and Peyton Pritchard, go Ducks. <laughs> yeah, I mean um, that's kind of what you would expect. I think if someone asks you a list of the ten best players in the country at the moment, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, if you want to get into Seton Hall real quick, uh, they look good against Wagner. They struggled a little bit against Stony Brook when uh, Powell went out, but they mm-hmm. figured it out. Um, played probably the game of the year so far against Michigan State. Yes. And then took care of business against SLU. And obviously, you know, Powell's done a lot of the heavy lifting. But I think someone that we need to talk about this year is Romaro Gill. Yes. Because he hasn't done a lot necessarily offensively, but uh, he's blocking a ton of shots, oh, which you kind of yeah. expect when he's... <laughs> 7'3", seven, or whatever he yeah, is. Yeah, 7'2", 7'3", 255. And really kept him in the Michigan State game in the first half by kind of protecting the paint, keeping him out of the paint. He's really the type of guy that you really need on a, as a complimentary piece on an already great team. Yeah, because, you know, if you think about, you know, what made those what made those Seton Hall teams a few years ago good? The fact that they had Ishmael Sinogo protecting the rim. Last, <laughs> last year... They took a little bit of a dip defensively, especially when their block percentage it went down from. Oh, actually, went well, actually went up. Um, but you you get what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah, Sonogo was a solid presence in the paint. He was missed last year, and our Romero Gill is stepping up in a big, big way. Yeah, and I mean, even in limited minutes, uh, Ike Baga's been good too. When he's oh, come yeah. in, when he's come in to. Yeah. Uh, I was really impressed with him in the season opener, in particular against Wagner. Yeah. When he didn't miss a single shot from the field or from the free throw line. That was quite the debut for him. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's been, they're kind of, I think, trying to find a consistent secondary score, um, which is kind of... which is going to be San, Sandro. Yeah, and I mean, Mama, you know, that's also a problem you run into when you have a guy that's scoring, you know, 30 points a game or whatever, Powell's at right now. He's at 22.5. Yeah, I mean, that's because he did technically play in the one that he got zero points, but, yeah. you know... Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Jared Roden had a nice game against Slew. Um, mm-hmm. not necessarily offensively, but he had eight rebounds. They're, they're a team that 
you know, is going to come together. Um, Atlantis is going to be a good test for them. You know, that Rutgers game will be a sneaky good test for them. And Maryland, so, I mean, they, they're they challenging themselves. Uh, you know, they get uh, Iowa State as well in the uh, Big East, Big 12 Jamboree. Yep. Um, Shouts to Quincy McKnight, by the way. Um, I don't want to forget about him. He's also averaging double figures. He's one of three Pirates right now to be averaging double figures. He, Sandro, and Miles Powell, of course, um, also shooting pretty well from three. Would be a career high at the season end today at 37.5%. His assist rate is is doing well. I think the, the, the transition to number zero is taking uh He's like Kadeem Carrington all over again. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, Quince, shout out to the former Sacred Heart, Sacred Heart Pioneer, who's doing really, really well as their point guard. And, and, you know, between McKnight and Powell, they've got two pretty solid ball handlers there. That's why I think this team is so good. Because they have the ability to be so versatile. That's what I think this is kind of those past teams, you know, when they had, you know, all those great players, maybe the depth wasn't there. But now I think it absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch in Atlantis. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, just kind of as the season goes on. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, just getting to Marquette. Yes, let's talk about Marquette. Um, They didn't look great against Wisconsin. um, But I guess, you know, shit happens up in Madison with how they they play sometimes. Yeah, I mean, Marquette had won there the past couple times. I mean, it it is what it is, I guess. I mean... You know, like I said earlier, Marcus Howard kind of didn't have a great second half, and that'll that'll do you in. I mean, especially when you know Wisconsin gets six guys in double figures. Yeah, I mean, it was really a typical Wisconsin game. Yeah, um, pretty much. You know, and I think Marquette has found a secondary score already in Kobe McEwen. I think that's a good sign. Yep. Um, especially because they lost the Housers. Yeah. So they needed somebody to step up, but Kobe McEwen absolutely has. Considering that right now he's sixth. In the Big East, in points per game, tied with Marcus Zygorowski of Creighton um, at 17.7, um, only behind Howard, Powell, Tyshawn Alexander, Mustafa Heron, and LJ Figueroa. So, like you said, secondary scoring option right away, really. With yeah, I mean, he was their best player in the Purdue game. He was. So. Absolutely. He absolutely was their best player. So Yeah, I mean, you can't take too much away from a loss against Wisconsin like that. It was ugly, but, you know, you just kind of move past it. Yeah, you, you move past it. You hope for better things. They're going to be playing Robert Morris this coming Saturday before they head down to Kissimmee. Uh, their first game in that tournament will be against Davidson mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving. So, um, we'll, like we said, we'll talk about that later with Russ. Um, yeah, I think Mar- Marquette's, Marquette's in a good spot. Marquette's in a good spot so far. That, that Purdue win obviously was huge given what happened against Wisconsin, but yeah. Marquette's in a good spot. Yeah. Um, if we... We'll go down the rungs here uh, to Providence. Uh, Providence had a woeful performance against Northwestern. Yeah, they're um, having another woeful performance right now. They are. They're down uh, twenty to eight to Merrimack. To Merrimack, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to get it together. Well, transitive property says that Merrimack is better than Providence because Merrimack beat Northwestern and uh, Northwestern beat Providence. Exactly. Yeah, but so. I mean, I think they'll get it together. Um, they'll probably end up beating Merrimack. You would hope. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Providence has kind of been all over the place so far this year. They have been, um, and AJ Reeves being banged up didn't hasn't hasn't helped obviously. Um, but you know they're they're getting good contributions from Diallo and and Duke. I think Diallo could stand to be a little bit a little bit better in terms of shooting the ball. He's in a little bit of a rut right now, uh, posting some some lows in as far as his you know his EFG and TS percentages. 
Uh, they're both at 43.9 and 44.9. So I think that's probably been the main reason this team has struggled a little bit because they've had some trouble shooting. Yeah, and I mean, you know, a lot of it is kind of like you said, uh, you know, kind of keeping it afloat until guys like Nate Watson and A.J. Reeves are 100%. Exactly, yeah. Because, um, I mean, obviously A.J. Reeves and what he brings to this team is sorely missing when, you know, he's dealing with back spasms as he did the other day. I believe that that's what he was dealing with. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Pro- Providence, they're 3-1. and one. They're probably going to get it together against Merrimack. I, don't, I wouldn't expect them to lose that game. No. Um, so... And then, of course, they play Penn, who's already, you know, knocked off Alabama this year, and LaSalle. Um, and then, of course, they go out to California for the Wooden Legacy. Yeah. And the, an event that Providence fans certainly know pretty well, because I think this is, what, like, the third time that they've been in that event? Yeah. They they've been in a lot. They have. As far as I remember. Because I remember they were definitely in it. Yeah, they were definitely in it in 2016, because they played Penzo Valentine in Michigan State, because I remember Chris Dunn was playing in that game also. So that was like a... Well, a National Player of the Year versus National Player of the Year type deal. Um, both future bowls, of course. Yes. Is that okay to mention that's, or what? That's correct. Um. <laughs> okay, uh, moving down to Creighton. Uh, Creighton, who's ranked 40th on Kempom so far, is 2-1. and one. Their lone loss was to Michigan, and, you know, Juwan Howard's uh, Wolverines kind of took it to them a bit, 79-69. Yeah, I mean, they, they hung with them. They did. They hung with in them. In the first half, at least. Um, when when you allow Isaiah Levers to score 22 and Xavier Simpson and John Pest to score 17 apiece, yeah. you're going to run into some issues. Even though, you know, they had 20 from Tyshawn, 18 from Sigurowski, and 11 from Mitch Ballack. Of course, Mitch Ballack scored, like, I think it was eight points to start the game and then only scored three the rest of the way. So they were able to bottle him up there. Um, but... You know the, the the Blue Jays are the Blue Jays. Yeah, they are, I mean they are who they always are. I <laughs> think you know they're they're obviously very good offensively, but I think kind of the biggest thing is getting um you know a pretty good performance so far on both sides of the ball from Kelvin Jones, who's probably the only healthy big man on the roster right now, unfortunately yes. for them. But yeah, the well, I mean, well traveled Kelvin Jones. Yeah, I mean he's been a he's been a big guy for them. Um, I mean it. You know what you're going to get from Creighton. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. I mean, they're going to... They're going to make a lot of threes as well. Actually, hey, their three-point rate right now is only a little bit above the nation's average. That's, I don't know if you knew that. That's kind of surprising. That is a little surprising. Um, it's only at 38.1%. Three point, the average three-point rate right now is 37.5. But they're making their shots at a high rate, obviously. 43.2%. So Yeah. yeah really, I mean, really like Tyshawn Alexander, by the way. Oh, yeah. He's third in the Big East in scoring. He's making a lot of his shots from pretty much everywhere on the floor. 41.7% twos, 57.9 threes, 75% free throw line. So he's doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. Tyshawn's a great player. He's definitely, I, I think there's definitely, you know, obvious signs of development for him. And that's great because that's, you know, that's what the, that's what they need. Yeah. I mean, you know, Tyshawn and Zagorowski and Mitch Ballack, it's a trio that, you know, can win you a lot of games. It is. It is. So I wouldn't. I would not be panicking if I were Creighton. The Michigan loss wasn't a bad one. Michigan's pretty good. You know, it's mm. Juwan Howard's first year, but there's still obviously a lot of talent on that team. They may yeah. not have as much talent as they did last year or the year before that. I don't know if this is a 30-win Michigan team, um, but this is going to be a pretty good Michigan team. Yeah, and I mean, they're going to score a lot of points against uh, Cal Poly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. They'll handily beat North Florida. Uh, we'll see how they do again. I th- I'm curious to see... How they play in Vegas against San Diego State. Yeah. 
yeah, that should that's actually going to be a really good test for them because I know they play San Diego State and then um, I believe Texas Tech is also out there. Yeah, Texas Tech yeah. plays Iowa, so Creighton will play the uh, winner of that, which we will get into in a little bit. Exactly. And, you know, San Diego State right now is 3-0. They've picked up a win against BYU, as well as Grand Canyon and Texas Southern. Um, as far as, you know, players to look out for there, Malachi Flynn was the preseason, um, the preseason newcomer of the year for the Mountain West. Flynn coming in from Washington State. He's a transfer there. Sat out last year. He's coming in this year. He's already done really well for them. Uh, so, you know, he's a, that's already paying dividends, obviously. They had no representatives on the All-Mountain West, preseason All-Mountain West team. But, like I said, preseason newcomer of the year, Malachi Flynn. And we're also going to be talking about the preseason player of the year in the Mountain West, Sam Merrill. We're yeah. talk with Russ as well, too. Yeah. Mountain West, always a fun conference to talk about. Um, this is the Big East Podcast, so we'll continue on here to Georgetown. Hoyas are three and one. They lost to Penn State. Um, it was funny because I noted in the preview that I wrote like 15 minutes before that game. Hey, Penn State is pretty good at shooting threes. Georgetown has not been good at defending threes. Yeah, this might be the difference. What does Penn State do? They shoot 44.8 percent from three, leading to an 81 to 66 victory for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, I mean Georgetown has um, struggled in all four games, really. Um, you know, they had the big deficit to Mount St. Mary's in the opener. Um, they were tied near the end of the first half with, um, who'd they play second? Central Arkansas. Central Arkansas. And then, uh, Georgia State, Georgia State was beating them at the half. Um, it's not what you want going into a week when you're playing Texas and then maybe Duke. Yep. Um, but, you know, and a lot of people aren't super pleased with Patrick Ewing's rotation so far this year, which, I mean, I... Get it? He doesn't really have much benefit of the doubt anymore yeah. in his third season. Yep. Um, but you know, all in all, there are positives here. Uh, Mac McClung's been very good. So has uh, uh, Omer Yurtsevin. Omer, Omer Yurtsevin's been very Yurtsevin, good. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know that James Kinjo has been quite on the level of last year yet. But, no, not you know, yet. He's he's getting there. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the thing about Georgetown is, it's it's really easy to write everything off in the early season as, you know, they're going to figure it out. You yeah, know, they've, exactly. they have looked bad in all the games, but they've found a way to win three of them. They I have. Mean, so, and, you know, obviously one of the big benefits under Patrick Ewing mm-hmm. so far is they're playing really, 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 really fast. Yeah. They're 20th in tempo rate. It's, it's very different than how it used to be. It is very different from how it used to be. That is correct. Uh, so let's round out the discussion here with St. John's. Uh, first year head coach, Mike Anderson. He's done pretty well. Um, the loss to Vermont was what it was. Anthony Lamb is really freaking one of, good. One of the better players in the country. I agree. And, uh, Vermont is only down six at Virginia right now. So yeah. So that I could mean, hey. end up not being that bad of a loss. No, or, I don't uh, think it ever was going to be because I think Vermont's going to win the America, the America East going away Well, they're, year, so. what, 4-0? and and They're 4-0, and like I said, they are so – I think they're very clearly better than – Every team in the American East right now. Oh, yeah. You look down this list of the... Albany, gonna, Stony Brook, UMBC. They have a chance to go Mac. undefeated in the American East. Yeah. Um, Big Mac. Yeah. Else. But, yeah. No, I mean, it wasn't bad. And, you know, St. John's also got down in that game and really had... They, they, they were down... I believe they were down, like, 10. Yeah. With... Yeah, they, they were down 10 with 6 minutes and 6 seconds to go. The game was decided by a last-second bucket. 
They oh, fought. Which, they, they climbed back in that game. Which, by the way, Anthony Lamb hit like a fadeaway yeah. over two guys. Yeah. So, so again, tough shot. What are you going to do? Exactly. And this is all, well, you know, Mustafa Heron went three for 11 from the field in the games. And, you know, that's not going to happen much. I mean, no. it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, Rasheem Dunn looked good in his debut. They finally uh, got him the waiver so mm-hmm. he can play. He's going to be a big difference maker for them. Um I think the particularly crushing thing for St. John's in that Vermont game was the fact that they got 35 free throw attempts to Vermont's 12, and they only made 23 of them. Yeah. The game obviously would have been a little different if they made those free throws, but that's you write off bad shooting performances, but you miss your free throws. That's a killer. Oh, yeah. especially, especially if you get 23 more attempts at the line exactly. than, your, than your adversary. Um, But... You know, they've been good here. Uh, obviously, Heron's been good. LJ Figueroa's been good. Josh Roberts has taken a giant step forward in his sophomore year. Um, Julian Champagny has been quite good as yeah. well. I mean, they're they're better coached. I mean, we defended yeah. we defended Chris Mullen a lot, but they're, <laughs> they're just, they just look like a better basketball team. Even if you know they're, they're three and one at this point, the competition isn't there. They look like a better basketball team. Yeah, I mean, well, they still probably should have hired Rick Pitino. Mike Anderson is fine. Mike Anderson's I mean, a good coach. He's been a good coach everywhere that he's been. It's just it, after a while, you know, you just had to move on. He had to move on from Arkansas. I mean, he's probably the second best coach in Missouri history. Yeah. He's probably the second best coach in Arkansas history. I agree. By Nolan Richardson, obviously. He's probably yeah. the best coach in UAB history. Yeah. I mean, it's he's he, a, he was he's a safe just, he was a safe hire. But, he was a safe hire, but sometimes for a program that needs stability. Like St. John's does, you go with the same high. Yeah, and why it's, not? It's been fine so far. Exactly. Um, you know they have some tough games coming up, but yeah, it's going to be a good test for them. I think it is. Um, they they play in Uncasville, obviously against Arizona State, um, and then I who because we, we obviously talk about Russ with, about this with Russ, but um, they will play. Oh yeah, either Ryder or Columbia, I believe. Yeah. It is or no, it's or gonna be UMass Virginia. Or, oh yeah, you match yeah, Virginia. Virginia so or UMass, if they so. win, it'll be it'll be Virginia. If be you uh, <laughs> like, we talked about with Hell, holy holy tempo clash, Batman. Yeah, <laughs> I honestly want to see that just because how how different the styles would be. Yeah, I want to see what you know a Mike Anderson led coach led <laughs> team does against a Tony Bennett led team. A lot of pressing too. Give, yeah. Give give me that matchup, just yeah. because I just want to see how weird it gets. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, so we, we pretty much rounded everything out here, and you know, next up we will be talking to Russ about Feast Week. So stay tuned. All right, we're back as promised. We're now joined by Mid Major Madness's own Russell Steinberg. Russ, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem, man. You know. Uh, I feel like you were on the last podcast we did as well because uh, we did the UConn coming back one and we don't really podcast regularly anymore, but, uh, you know, welcome back. Thank you. I'm like a regular now. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll get into Feast Week in a little bit, but I did want to touch on UConn. You know, we talked about all the other Big East teams. I think it would be fair to touch on UConn if only because... They're probably having the best season out of anyone in the American right now, just based on, you know, quality of wins and things like that. Um, are, are we ignoring their humiliating loss to St. Joe's? Well, and that wasn't great, but they're also the only team in the conference with a top 100, 100 win on Ken Palm. 
Is that true? Really? That um, I didn't was, even realize that. That was from no escalators yesterday, and the Big East has, oh. I believe, five different teams with a top 100 win right now. So, I mean, that kind of says it all right there. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I know you were in the building yesterday for uh, UConn against Florida. You know, just kind of go mm-hmm. into that a little bit because it was a bit of an ugly game, but uh, that's kind of how UConn games have become against elite opponents. Yeah, I mean, UConn is not a good enough team to beat good opponents in a pretty fashion. Um, You know, Florida, thankfully, their issue this year has been shooting, and they did not shoot well. And UConn is a very good defensive team, if not a good overall team. Um, So they were able to force a lot of bad shots, able to get, you know, really slow Florida down. And when they were able to get turnovers, they were able to get out and transition a little bit. It it was definitely the best all-around game they've played of the three this year. Of course, you know, that that includes just an awful game against St. Joe's. And then kind of a a solid win over a bad Sacred Heart team. Uh, It it was good to see that it was a sellout. The crowd was really into it. it. It was a whole lot of fun. Uh, it you know it, it felt like the old days for for a little bit you know ignoring how disappointing Florida has been as a team and you know that it wasn't the most attractive game. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, is Florida good? Because I mean, so Florida's far... good. I mean, they, they've got so much talent on that team. Maybe they're not you know going to be the Final Four team that everybody predicted, but I would be shocked if you know come the end of the season they're not you know a top six seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, so, you know, just getting back to UConn real quick, what's your expectation kind of for them this year? Because I don't think we really got too into that over the summer. It was more just a general, you know, they're coming back to the Big East sort of thing. But, you know, now that you've seen a couple games, what's it looking like for you? Yeah, my my expectation hasn't really changed. And really, it's just that they could be in the hunt for an NCAA tournament bid, you know, deep into February and, you know, kind of take it from there and see what happens. Uh, that probably means they end up as, as an NIT team, which is fine. But I think a tournament bid is a realistic goal to have, and it's one that's attainable if things break the right way. Um, you know, the, the expectations aren't all that high by UConn standards, but I think it's a good setup for next year when they have a really good recruiting class coming in. They have RJ Cole, who will be eligible, one of the best sit-out transfers in the country, and then hopefully a lot of returning talent as well. Um, and that could be, you know, first season in the Big East, that could be when they really make noise, you know, on a national stage. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you talk about the returning talent, you kind of look up the up and down the roster, they aren't probably going to lose too many players next year. I mean, they're going to come in as kind of that Big East-style experienced team that kind of fits perfectly into the conference. Yeah, and, and the good news is the places where they are going to lose players, they have quality uh, behind them. Right, like Christian Vitale's a senior. Losing his presence is going to hurt because he's just been such a um, a part of the heart of this team. Uh, and they're probably going to lose Alterique Gilbert. He technically could apply for one more year of eligibility, but you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen. So they'll lose two guards, but they'll have R.J. Cole again being eligible next year. They'll have uh, Booknight, who is going to be able to play for the first time this Thursday, as well as Jalen Gaffney, um, a freshman who hasn't gotten a whole lot of time yet, uh, but I know Dan Hurley really likes him. So, uh, and also Brendan Adams, a, a guard who really didn't do much last year, but has already shown a lot of improvement uh, from year one to year two. Uh, so there's going to be 
uh, some depth there. And then, you know, they're, they're bringing in two top 100 freshmen, and they'll have probably one more scholarship open end of the year to try to fill as well. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, so just kind of getting into Feast Week real quick, you know, we're a couple days yep. away from it starting. I know you, uh, is this the fifth year of Silver Sword? This is Silver Sword number five. Wow. I mean, do you want to you plug I it know. real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So it, every year I run a, you know, just a game called the Silver Sword. It's named after... Uh, Shamanad's mascot. The, they are the Silver Swords, and really, all you do is you just pick the winners of all of those tournaments happening during Feast Week. We have about uh, 500 people entering each year, so you've got some competition. Uh, winner gets uh, some prizes from 199.com. Uh, if you haven't heard of them, check it out. They have you know a whole bunch of like throwback college basketball shirts and shorts, uh, a lot of fun stuff on that site, and they've actually expanded their in- inventory a lot over the past year. Uh, so, you know, it's a fun game. You get to compete against some uh, big-time college basketball writers and personalities who have taken part in this as well. See if you could do better than them. And, you know, all it is, you're picking games, like p- filling out your NCAA tournament bracket, have no expectations, and see how many you could get right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just getting into Feast Week itself, you know, obviously there's – some games this week that we will get into, but I think we need to start with Atlantis because, you know, there were a couple of years where in the past, you know, four or five where it got overshadowed by Maui or uh, PK-80 and uh, mm-hmm. Battle for Atlantis is back this year. Oh my God, what a field that is. <laughs> uh, North Carolina and Seton Hall and Gonzaga are like the three, uh, like second weekend caliber teams in that tournament. And then, you know, it's also who Michigan, Oregon, uh, geez, who else is there? It's 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 a loaded field. Yeah, I mean, Iowa State's there as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got Iowa State. You know, for a team like Seton Hall, I know they um they open with Oregon, which is going to be tough, and then I think they mm-hmm. get the winner of UNC Gonzaga. I believe it, or the winner, they, or they wouldn't have put UNC Gonzaga no, they together didn't. in the first round. They um, I think they get UNC or Gonzaga because they're probably both going to win in the first round. Yeah, that's well, no, because. No, because they get the winner of Gonzaga and Southern Miss. Yeah, so they're going to play. Okay. They're going to play Gonzaga, probably. Um, yeah. Well, how much would you love a championship game between Seton Hall and North Carolina? Like maybe two of the best players in the country going at it. Yeah, I mean that would be fantastic. That would be great. Um, you yeah, know, we. I'm, I'm not sure if anyone is really paying attention to Cole Anthony, but he's averaging like 27 to <laughs> seven for the first three games of the year. He's yeah. he's crazy. He's he's been really good. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, North Carolina's a team to watch there. Obviously, Seton Hall showed what they're made of in the Michigan State game. Um, yeah, that was a great game. Yeah, no, that was that was great. Um, and then, you know, against Slew, they kind of showed that they have other scoring options, which is going to be important this year. I think Oregon's been good from what I've seen this year. Um, you know, Gonzaga's always pretty good. And then, you know, you look at Michigan and Iowa State, they're both perfectly fine teams as well. So, yeah, I mean... Atlantis is one of those tournaments that's always been good and then was down for a little bit and now it's back. And I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. I think that's probably going to be probably the highlight of next week. Um, just kind of yeah. looking through here and then, yeah, that's the best tournament. Yeah. But then, you know, you kind of stick in tournaments with big East teams. You have, um, in Kansas city, you're going to have Butler against Mizzou. And then the winner of that game against Oklahoma or Stanford, that's a low key, good tournament where you can pick up a couple good wins. Um, you know, we want to get into the two K classic real quick. That's got a Georgetown team that is still not 
looking as good as they could be. Um, but, you know, they have a chance Did to... they uh, get Duke first? They get uh, Texas first. Texas. So Ooh, that's a tough game, too. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, a lot of talent there, too. Um, obviously, Cal's not that good, but... Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, you just... They're... They really spread out, I think, the good teams this year, and they didn't really bunch them up. Um, you know, you look at it, and, you know, we talked about Maui a little bit. The final there will probably end up being Kansas and uh, Michigan State, so you can't really complain about that yeah. either. Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... Watch out for Dayton there, by the way. Dayton's a dangerous team. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I haven't watched Dayton too much this year. Um, the A-10 team that I've really been following is VCU, who have looked very good. God, they're really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to get into Maui a little bit more now, you know, we talked a little bit about Dayton and uh, how it'll probably end up being Kansas against Michigan State. But, you know, there's a couple other teams to watch here, too, where, you know, UCLA has kind of gotten it together under Mick Cronin a little bit, which is still weird. Um. <laughs> BYU, BYU uh, they the had the, they beat Houston at the buzzer over the weekend. Uh, they they've got a lot of talent on that team. I'm actually really excited to see them uh, go up against St. Mary's and Gonzaga in the uh, in the West Coast Conference. They they could give Kansas a good game. I I mean the only time I saw Kansas so far this year was in the uh, Champions Classic, and uh, they um, geez I don't even remember the game. <laughs> so they won, didn't they? Um, Kansas, anyway. No, Duke won, yeah. by, Duke won by two. It was yeah. a really ugly oh, that's right. That's right. Both of those um, games I, were bad. I remember yeah. my, my big takeaway from that night is none of the four teams really wowed me. Yeah. And they were the top four teams in the country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, just uh, getting into – let me find another tournament here that we should get into. Um, How about Charleston. Yeah, Charleston's another good one that uh, will feature both UConn and Xavier, so we can get into that. One and a half Big East teams. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think uh, I think that's a pretty good field as well. You know, we saw St. Joe's already beat UConn. Um, you know, we saw what a team like Florida is capable of if they're playing well. I mean, they obviously have a lot so, of talent there. You know what Missouri State's capable of, too, after you know they yeah. gave Xavier all they could handle. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, um, you know, you got a team like Miami who might not be quite what they've been in the past, but they're a team that you can watch. I mean, that's another really good field. And Charleston historically mm-hmm. hasn't been great. You know, I know Villanova went down there a couple times and just kind of ran through everybody. So, I mean, yeah, no, I think I think the main point here is they did a really good job kind of putting good teams all over the place. Yeah, th- there were a lot when I when I was filling out my silver sword. Uh, a lot of tournaments where you know I, there wasn't that one obvious pick to make, and I think I ended up going with more upsets than usual. And, and not because I don't have faith in the higher ranked teams, but because I, I think, like you said, there, there's just there's a lot of there's a pretty good spread of talent throughout here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, you know, I think. We should also touch on, um, let's see, you got one that you wanted to? Um, oh, actually, yeah, if we wanted to uh, talk about the Legends Classic, is also going to be very good because we've kind of seen that Wisconsin is serviceable again this year, and you know, <laughs> Auburn uh, 
Auburn's got some talent, and you know, I I haven't seen too much of Richmond, um, but they are Richmond is off to a good start. Yeah, they're three and zero right now. They'll probably be four and zero going into the tournament, and I mean three and zero win over Vanderbilt. I know Vanderbilt's <laughs> not great, but you know that's a Power Five school. Uh, have the thirty uh, fourth ranked offense in the country through three games for Ken Palm, and yeah, they should go in there four and zero. Yeah, so I think just kind of looking at all these tournaments in general, Russ, where are you kind of picking an upset? Ooh, good question. Um, let me take a look actually at what my uh, Silver Sword actually says because I can't even remember my picks. I did this last week. Yeah, well. Right. Oh, you know what? I took – oh, this is stupid. I don't know why I did this. I took <laughs> Oregon in the battle for Atlantis. And uh, gold. That is pretty cool. Um, I mean, I it's it. bold, but you know what though? They they looked really good against Memphis. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, I have uh, South Carolina and Cancun. That that could be a good one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Oregon. It, it might be bold, but you know their their profile is pretty good, especially defensively. They're they've been pretty good against the three point shot. Even if well, I mean, and their competition hasn't exactly been bad by any means. The worst team that they played so far. Was UT Arlington, and they're 140th on Kempom. Otherwise, they faced Fresno State and Boise State, who were ranked 111th and 119th, and of course Memphis, who was ranked 38th. And at the time, they did have uh, James Wiseman in the game. They held right. him to just 14 points. He did get 12 boards, obviously, but still. Yeah, yeah. Um, we could talk real quick about a potential uh, St. John's Virginia game in. The Air Force Reserve tip-off, and uh, I got to tell you that wouldn't be very good. Yeah, um, we saw what that we, sounds like a brutal game. Yeah, I mean, we kind of saw what happens when St. John's gets uh, kind of clamped down defensively, like Vermont did against them. Yeah, which shout out to the Catamounts. That was uh, it was a great game. Was Anthony great. Lamb. I was at that game. It was a lot of fun. Anthony Lamb is very good. He is extremely good. Um, but yeah, no, a, a St. John's Virginia game would be like when St. John's played. Um, who did they play? UCF, and they won 46-43. Yeah, in, I remember uh, that game. Where was it? It was in Orlando, I, I believe. Yeah, it was in yeah. Orlando. Yeah, so I mean, you know, a lot of, not only are good teams kind of spread out, but you got a lot of chances for Big East teams to kind of continue to pad their resumes this year. Um, and, you know, you got a team like Villanova who's still kind of trying to find itself going to a tournament where they'll probably play Baylor in the finals. Which, yeah, I mean, looking at that, looking at that field. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's a good test. Yeah, it's um, a it's a decent it's a it's a decent test. I mean, you have you have you have Baylor, who's been pretty, who's obviously been pretty solid this year, uh, so far, two and one with their only loss coming to a pretty decent Washington team out in uh, out in Alaska, um, which is kind of a still kind of you, a crazy place to play but yeah they play them you've got utah in that tournament too utah's yep. been kind of sneaky yep. good beat mm-hmm. minnesota yep. and nevada yeah you, you have them um mississippi state is sort of decent i know that they did have trouble uh, a couple weeks ago when they had played um who, who the hell was it that they had played that they had that they struggled with at first um, but still, we're able to, that that's right. It was it was Sam Houston State. Oh yeah. But they still picked up a win. Right now they're four zero. Even if their competition isn't super stiff, they played FIU, Sam Houston State, uh, Louisiana Monroe, and New Orleans. They still do have um, 
Tyson Carter, Reggie Perry, Robert Woodard. Um, so they, they've been they've been pretty decent. So the, I don't know if they're going to give Villanova any fit, many fits in that tournament if they end up facing them, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Russ, I mean, are there any you know mid majors we should be looking out for? I mean, I, you look at the Cayman Islands Classic, where the only kind of high major teams are Nebraska and Washington State. You feel like someone can probably make a run at one of those teams there. Um, you know, I would say New Mexico State, but they've really been disappointing uh, this year. And they lost by 30 at Arizona the other day. I know Arizona's really good, obviously, but I thought New Mexico State would be better than it is. Um, see, Old Dominion, I think, might end up being a pretty good team. And, and a dangerous thing about them, if, if you haven't watched them, they run a really, really, really slow offense. They're like a, their, their head coach uh, used to be a Tony Bennett assistant. And if you play those like really low possession games, you could upset some people. Uh, so I'd keep an eye on them. Um, let's see, Nebraska's lost to everybody, so you know you could yeah kind of kind of discount them right off the bat. Uh, Colorado State's pretty good. They have uh, a, I, I'm going to butcher his name, so I have to make sure I get it up in front of me. But before I, Nico Carvacho led the nation in rebounding last year. Okay. A uh, 6'11 senior. Let's see, through four games this year, he's see he had a 19 rebound game against Omaha the other day. Oh wow! So 21 and 19. So he's pretty good. Keep an eye on him. That'll be a fun tournament. Yeah. Would you say that in terms of Paradise Jam, it's probably Cincinnati's tournament to lose? Because um, they have the bracket is Cincinnati, Illinois State, Bowling Green. Western Kentucky, Nevada, Fordham, Grand Canyon, and Valpo. Yeah, uh, Cincinnati's the overwhelming favorite. Western Kentucky, I guess, would be the second-best team there. Um, but, you know, the, with them, I, it's kind of I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati's fair. a really talented team. Um, uh, yeah, I'd go with them. I figured as much. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, for, uh, for Jamaica... It's probably going to be LSU, but uh, you know Utah State is off to a pretty good start. Do you think they have any sort of chance to uh, make some noise? Or I mean, you know, you got um, Rhode Island down there too. Yeah, you always have a chance when you have the best player on the court, and Utah State will have that in probably every game in that tournament. I think Sam Merrill is that good. So yeah, they've they've got a shot, even if they're not favored. They do have to face LSU first, as I think in that tournament. Uh, so uh, that's yes. that's tough, and LSU. Although LSU just lost at VCU, so like they're vulnerable as well. Um, Rhode Island got smoked by Maryland, came back and beat Alabama. So good for them. Um, yeah, LSU's yeah, got, it'll be a fun tournament. LSU's got Utah State and Rhode Island in this one, so I mean that that's something you got to be on the lookout for. Indeed, um, and they already, of course, lost to to VCU. To VCU, which. In- yeah. Up in Richmond, I believe. So, yeah, it was in Richmond. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, look, looking down here, I mean, the the Gulf Coast Showcase has a lot of big major teams. Um, North, Northeastern, South Alabama, Drake, Miami, Ohio, Wright State, Weber State, Murray State, LaSalle. Um, I'm not sure who I would probably pick off the, off the bat there, although. That's a lot of really good teams, like really good mid-majors. Yeah, because I see Murray State is ranked 120th on Kempom. They're two and one right now. 
Um, Northeastern right now is, is only at 143, which isn't terrible. Uh, LaSalle might be one of the, the worser teams there. But yeah, LaSalle's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but South Alabama, watch out for them. They're they're going to be they're my pick to win the Sun Belt. So I really like South Alabama. Okay, yeah, that's fair. No, that's, that's fair. And then um, I think one more that I want to talk about is the Las Vegas Invitational, just because I don't think I was very good, but you have a Creighton team that's looked good so far, and Texas Tech who's looked good so far. That's probably going to be your championship matchup, um, and. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that could be a good game. Um, kind of an offense against defense type of thing. Yeah, and also uh, San Diego State is in that too, and they just won at BYU, then came home and beat Grand Canyon. So that they're now a uh, pushover either. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, they're actually they're playing three more games before that tournament. So I mean, they got plenty of time <laughs> yeah. to uh, yeah to really lock it down. I think Creighton only plays a couple more. Yeah, so I mean. It's it's going to be an interesting week and a half or whatever, like it always is. That's kind of kind of the main point of this whole discussion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you guys have anything else you want to touch on here? Um, not that I can think of. I mean, obviously, you know, we had just we, we touched on what we needed to touch on the the, mid, the feast week tournaments. I think, like you said, Rob, the the main point is that it's it's very balanced this year. It's very balanced, and it should provide for some quality basketball all around, even in a tournament like. Um, like the one we had talked about with uh, all the with all the mid major squads, I mean with Wright State and you know Weber and Weber State and all those other ones, it's all it's all being spread out. Maui should be great again. Atlanta should be awesome, um, and you know obviously all the tournaments usually bring all the entertainment and excitement should be able to do it again this time. I mean. Who doesn't like watching college basketball at like ten thirty in the morning? Yeah, it's amazing. It's great. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, Russ, you got anything else? Uh, no, just want to remind you guys to do your silver swords. You, neither of you have done it yet, so shame on you. Yes, I was. Uh, I was waiting just to kind of see where every team is. You know, get as much. Yeah, no, as possible. that's the smart way to do it. <laughs> um. Yeah, you want to tell everyone one more time where they can sign up? Um. Yeah, go to uh, go to my Twitter. I'll have the uh, the link pinned there. Um, because it's a, uh, it's a Google doc. So it's like hard to just give oh, you yeah. the name of a website. Um, but just go, go to my Twitter at Russ underscore Steinberg. You could sign up, uh, on the pin tweet there. All right, Russ. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. We will probably have you back many times once we, uh, get a regular podcast schedule going. So, uh, take care. All right. You too. Thanks guys. Okay. We are back. Big thank you to Russ Steinberg, of course, for coming on and, uh, chopping it up with us a little bit here uh, i think we went over pretty much every tournament so you know consider yourself prepared now um so let's go ahead and get into some questions that we have gotten via our twitter account first up from our pal vj thoughts on paul reed's potential as an nba player um you know obviously when you have somebody who is you know built like paul reed he's six foot nine 220 he might he might get a little bit of looks. He's he doesn't have the you know he doesn't have the age thing working for him. This is obviously his third year at DePaul, so he's gonna be if he leaves this year, yeah, he'll but be at least twenty one. That doesn't matter as much anymore. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. It definitely doesn't. You got a lot of NBA teams that are just looking to fill rosters. Um, yeah. You know, in the case of how Eric Paschal's probably been the best rookie in the league so far. Yeah. Um, exactly. 
you know, on a terrible Warriors team, but you know, he's making the most of his time. I think I think Paul Reed could catch on somewhere if he stays on this path. I think he might want to bulk up a little bit more. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say too. You know, he did according to the uh, roster go up 10 pounds from last year. So, you know, if he can keep that up, sure. All right. Next question from Zach at Zurek, who asks, why would I want to hear about anything other than DePaul being 5 and up? You know, great question. Yeah, I think aside from uh, talking to <laughs> Russ, the DePaul part was the longest part of the show. So uh, <laughs> um, Naturally. Yes. From our friends Rumble in the Garden, can DePaul finish the non-con season undefeated? I mean, that would be pretty they, incredible. They um, It would be. They have to you know, go to Minnesota. They have to uh, play mm-hmm. Texas Tech. Yep. Uh, it's it's going to be tough. Um, I think to say the least. Can they? Anyone can do anything. Yeah. Will they? Probably not. It'd be very impressive. It would. Um, but I think they have a lot of tough games. Um, but he also said, and talk about the upcoming Hall of Fame Classic and Mohegan Sun. Do fans like games played in a casino? You know, I when mean, when a casino doesn't have a sports book, I'm not sure. No, but I don't think I would mind it. I mean, the it's kind of cool that the games are at the hotel it's a hotel right it is yeah Yeah, so they do wrestling events oh yeah obviously so yes i mean you know you um you have the hotel right there you're on site you probably have you know your choice of restaurants and uh some clubs whatever a hotel casino resort has i mean yeah i i wouldn't mind it it's a fun way to spend a weekend what else are you doing in connecticut did we really go a whole show without referencing the fact that our power led to WWE going on Fox? Yeah. And FS1. There's a WWE show on <laughs> FS1 now. Um, they uh, they brought big four pay-per-views back to the Rosemont Horizon after DePaul left. It's a whole big thing. Power. That's our power. Um, At Jay's fan 8924 wants to know if DePaul's the favorite now in the Big East behind Seton Hall. Uh, I don't know if I would go that far. Probably not, but they're going to be good. Uh, they're going to be, like I said, they're going to be a tough out. They're yeah. going to be a tough out, for sure. Um, From our friend Ryan, did we witness Jay Wright's final coaching performance in the Gavit Games? Well, he's coached since then. So, <laughs> you know. Um, and then he also wants to know how much does Brian Antoine mean for Villanova, even if he's cleared, is he being rushed back? No, I mean, I think if he's cleared, he's fine. I don't think they're going to, like we talked about earlier, I don't think they're going to, um, you know, put him in as a starter or whatever, or force him into situation. They're going to ease him in. It's kind of the thing that I'm getting at here. Agreed. Agreed. Um, let's see if we can find any other questions here. Um, from Kershu at krshu 0 how on earth does Miles Powell still play so well after rolling his ankle when I'm out of commission for a month from the same injury? That's an excellent question. <laughs> people are just built differently, man. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I agree. It would put me out for a while, too. Um, I would just I would just quit on the spot. Is that, is that Clayton Kershaw? Thank you for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, from at Murphy underscore D1, how badly would DePaul beat the LA Lakers? Hey, the Lakers are back. Lakers are back, firmly, all the way back. Surprisingly, when you get two of the five best players in the NBA, you uh, have a good team. I honestly, like, I know people just say it, and it's just like you know, it's just stating matter of facts. But wow, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are really Lakers. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to figure that. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, from our friend Ken Ken EC at Ghost Forty Nine. 
The biggest surprise and disappointment of the young season, I'd obviously say the biggest surprise is DePaul. I don't know I can't really call anyone a disappointment. Like, yeah, was it disappointing that Villanova got dubbed like that to Ohio State? Maybe, but you can you can rationalize it by saying this is a very young team with not a lot of experience that went to, you know, a tough road test against a really good a really good team with, you know, a decent amount of experience and continuity from last year. So. Yeah, I mean, it was disappointing that Jordan Tucker got suspended for the first game by the NCAA for appearing at an event that the NCAA approved. It was disappointing that Rasheem Dunn didn't get his transfer waiver approved for three games or whatever there because of the NCAA. Uh, Dragging their feet. Disappointing what they're doing to James Wiseman. Yeah. Um, so go. the biggest disappointment is the NCAA. There you go. All right, and lastly, from our friend at Samuel underscore Xavier15, how worried should Xavier fans be about the offense heading into Charleston, and is Xavier the favorite in Charleston considering how bad the other teams have looked? I'm pretty sure we answered both pretty of sure these. Pretty sure we answered both those I mean, questions. We can, yeah. yeah I, Just, you know, not, bullet points here. Wouldn't really worry about the offense. I think the three-point shooting is going to eventually even itself out. Maybe they won't be a good three-point shooting team. Maybe their ceiling is merely an average one, but that can take them somewhere. As far as them being the favorites in Charleston, I mean, hey. It depends on Florida. Um, and, you know, if the shots aren't falling against UConn, kind of like we talked about with Russ, then you can see, you know, where UConn well, can kind of make them grind exactly. it out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, and I believe that about does it for questions. Yeah, we are done here. Okay, we're done. That was fun. Let's do it again. Yeah, it okay. was fun. Providence is winning now. So there you go. By the time you there hear you this, go. they will hopefully have won. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, you know, you know the ads by now at Chris M Novak at Robert O'Neill thirty one. Um, come for the uh, the basketball tweets. Stay for the wrestling tweets. That goes for our account as well. Um, so uh, we'll hopefully be back next week. I don't really see a reason why we can't do this again next Tuesday. Um, no, we can definitely do it either next Tuesday or uh, next Wednesday going into the holiday. This is true. Um, yeah, no, we can make that happen. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, so, uh, for Rob, I'm Chris. Enjoy the basketball, gents and ladies, because Feast Week is upon us, and, well, who doesn't like watching a bunch of college basketball?